Welcome back, boys and girls, to another episode of K-Fabe Comparisons. My name is Mr. Know-It-All, Daniel John Schaefer, and today I am joined once again by the K-Fabe crew. Here we go. Jesse Baker is in the house, boys and girls. Jesse, how you doing, man? Man, I'm doing great. This week's been uh, a really big week for wrestling. There's a whole lot going on, so I'm excited to chat about it. Absolutely. Wesley, what you been up to, man? How, how you living? Uh, things been going pretty good, you know. Just like he said, a lot of big wrestling stuff going on this week. Just really excited, ready for uh, this coming up Friday and everything we got going on. Yeah, man, I love it. I love it. I'm super excited for you guys. I know that you guys have a revive show. That I think the show is the same day that this show airs, right? It's the, night. the day before. Oh, the day before. The day before. Okay, cool. Well, uh, hopefully, uh, you guys got a, had a great time last night. In retrospect. <laughs> That's the weird I'm thing sure about podcasts. We will have yes, did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Tenses. But today we are covering Bound for Glory 2020 as well as Hell in a Cell. This is actually the first time we've covered a uh, Impact pay per view on the show ever. So I'm really excited about it. Uh, we're gonna go back and forth, and we're actually gonna start off with the brand new company to the show. Uh, it's gonna be Bound for Glory 2020. Um, Man, I actually watched the pre-show on this. Uh, I watched, I'm because I'm a super mark, and I just I watched it all. I thought that they uh, really did a good job capitalizing on the whole, you know, Rock and in, in inducting uh, Ken Shamrock into the Hall of Fame and all that other uh, mess they had going on. They also had a pretty cool little opening match with the Rascals versus the Deaners. I enjoyed that. Uh, Jesse, what did you think about the pre-show? Did you get a chance to check it out? Or oh yeah, uh, I thought it was great, man. The Shamrock induction was great. Impact has been really smart about their Hall of Fame stuff, keeping it real short. It's one inductee per year, you know, and they had a lot of room for people to call in. I thought it was a great idea to do it on their pre-show just because of the familiarity of a Mick Foley and a Bret Hart and a Boss Root and, and then, of course, obviously, Dwayne The Rock Johnson just sending in video packages to induct Ken. Uh, seeing Matt Stryker introduce Kim is pretty cool. I really enjoyed that little bit, as as brief as it was, and I don't know. I just thought that the whole thing was uh, – the pre-show was great. The match, the Deaners and the Rascals, I mean, Impact's tag division is pretty top-notch. So seeing the two of them go against each other and kind of help build towards whoever's going to take some of the reins against the victor in this four-way match later on in the show was pretty cool. I thought it was a great match. Yep. Wes, did you get a chance to check out the pre-show at all? I did not see the pre-show. I did see the the Roxel introduction video the for Ken Shamrock for the Hall of Fame. Yeah. I did see that, and I saw Mick Foley's. But that's pretty much about it for the pre-show for me. But I did see a few of the little, a few highlights of the the Rascals. So yeah, I like those guys a lot. Big fan of what they got going on for yeah, sure. I'm, all, I also like the Diener style. Very good. Yeah, I agree. I agree completely. But uh, the first match up here on the main show uh, is going to be the is it six way dance? Is that what they called it or six way Scram- scramble? Yeah, six way scramble. It's TJP versus Chris Bay versus Trey Miguel versus Jordan Grace versus Willie Mack versus Rohit. Raju. And uh, Jesse, what did you think about this uh, six-way scramble for the X Division title? I thought they did a really good job of allowing folks to get their shine inside the match. These matches can be a total cluster, and uh, I thought they really they paired matchups off really well. I loved seeing the some of the double-team spots like TJP and Bay that got matched up pretty well to do some really great you know high-flying type tandem offense on folks. I loved Jordan and Willie facing off kind of towards the front end of the match there. You know, you got a couple of powerhouses, and they both looked right at home doing it, which I thought was great. Obviously, 
Jordan Grace being the outlier in this match for, you know, the reasons that it is uncommon to see intergender wrestling on a pay-per-view of this scale outside of Impact. They're really the only company that fucks with it. So uh, I thought that all of that was employed really well. A couple of really big monster spots. Overall, I thought the finish was great. I think that they've done a pretty decent job building Rohit in that he probably has the least amount of a name out of anybody in this match, despite being the champ. And everybody else kind of has a little bit more of a background or has gotten some world title shots here and there or some kind of single shine before this. He really hasn't. So overall, I loved it. Awesome, man. So out of a, out of a six-pack, how many beers are you drinking on this one? Man, I'm going to go four. Gonna go four, four beers on this one. Four beers on this one. Wes, what do you think, brother? I really enjoyed the match. Like like he said, everybody kind of got their own chance to showcase what they can do in the match, and there was a lot of really cool spots. Like I really like that uh, when Jordan Grace was tied up in the Tree of Woe, and she lifted up into the Tower of Power, and it was kind of like a reverse suplex, and she ripped them both off. Like I thought, I've never really seen that before. I thought that was really yeah. cool. And yeah, I mean, there was it was a pretty sort of an interesting story because you had three former champions in the match, so at least you had you kind of had that. Like so, like because Willie Mack, Chris Bay, and TJP are all former champions, so kind of had that thing where they want to get the title back with that. And totally, yeah. And like kind of like Jesse said. I just kind of like going back to exactly what he said. When those scramble matches, they are clusters, and they did literally like they did the best they could with what they had. I thought it was a pretty solid match. Yeah, I was. I mean, I'm kind of in the same boat as you guys. Um, what was your What was your overall? How many beers out of a six pack are you, are you giving this one, Wes? Uh, three and a half. Okay. Yeah. See, I, I think I'm like I think I'm pretty much right there with you, or maybe even like uh, splitting the difference between you guys. Uh, maybe like three and a half, three and a, three and uh, three quarters, somewhere around in there. But yeah, this was uh, just, I mean, for me, the athleticism was fantastic. I felt like they they were able to breathe too. There wasn't a lot of stuttering. It was pretty smooth for the most part. At the same time, like these matches have no choice but to be spot fests. So it's kind of hard to like really build any kind of like drama. It's really just athleticism. And that's fine. That's kind of what the X Division's always been. So for me, knowing that up front, uh, no, if I know that I'm going into a spot fest, then I'm going to grade it kind of differently as opposed to just if it's ends up just being craziness for the sake of craziness for no reason. But this one I felt like really hit the spot. So, yeah, at least three beers for me, somewhere between three and four beers for me for sure. But let's jump over to uh, the WWE show here. Uh, we'll quickly touch on the pre-show. Um, I, I actually really enjoyed the panel uh, this time. I normally don't like the hour-long pre-shows because I feel like it's a, just a lot of like jaw-jacking for no good reason. But I felt like they did a pretty good job of building this card. And we also got R-Truth versus Drew Gulak for the uh, 24-7 title. Um, I wish that it had been uh, a little more serious. I mean, I know it's, that it's R-Truth and like it's, it's, he's a comedy guy. But I, I really like – I don't have any problem with Gulak doing comedy. I think he's good at it and it's funny. But I, I mean, he's also kind of a killer, and I, w- I really would like to see a, like a little bit more of the aggression in there with the comedy. I think he could kind of pull that off. Um, but yeah, any any thoughts on the pre-show, Jesse? I thought it was great. I, I I get what you're saying on the comedy bit. However, I think in order for Gulak to take that next step in the WWE, showing the well-rounded nature of his approach to it and the sure. fact that he is capable of doing the comedy well is critical. I thought that. It was a really well-done match for what it's supposed to be. I mean, it's no secret that I've always been pretty big on truth. I still think that they could have packaged him up until recently 
and put him in a main event contender slot, even at his age. I still believe that. But oh, sure. I don't disagree with that at all. The, um, you know, the, the whole fact being that now you've kind of gone so far down one road, but he's just so good at it. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I thought is. it was incredibly entertaining. I loved the little bit at the end with everybody running in and him stopping by the panel anyway. <laughs> like, yeah, that was pretty that whole, funny. That I, was I don't know. Funny. I thought the whole thing was really great. Wes, what did you think, man? Did you get the chance to check out this pre-show at all? I actually got to see a little bit of that match, and I do remember, I want to say it was a handicap match. Wasn't it Little Jimmy and R-Truth? Uh, oh. oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's fair. So, it's been a few years. You know, Little Jimmy's been on the uh, on the shelf for a few years. He just kind of came back yeah. from a long yeah, way of injury. Yeah, he made his comeback. Uh, but even though I do love, I mean, the Little Jimmy shtick is funny and R-Truth, but honestly, the, both of these guys deserve way better. Like, you got a former uh, NWA World Heavyweight Champion and R-Truth. People seem to forget yeah. that. Even though Glory NWA, but it was still TNA NWA. It wasn't like yeah. after TNA weird transition NWA. <laughs> no, I mean, and he was matter, like, so. I mean, he was one of the first. He might have been the second or third uh, NWA TNA champion, but I mean, he was. They used. I mean, he carried the. He helped carry the brand to being a, a national brand. To be honest, yeah. um, he did a really good job. I don't think he would have gotten his second run in the WWE without that R-Truth run. And that's the name. Like, R-Truth came from TNA. Yeah, I mean? like, he went from K-Quick. K-Quick before. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, a, a, lot, a lot of deep, nerdy stuff there. But let's get on to the opening match here. It's going to be Jay Uso versus Roman Reigns for the WWE Universal Championship in an I Quit Hell in a Cell match. Um, Wes, what did you think about this one, man? Well, first off, I'm just going to say... It went way too long, and I don't even understand why it needed to be in Hell in a Cell because they didn't really utilize anything in the cell. It's just the fact they were locked in. It could have been a steel cage match. But besides that, it was great. Uh, I love seeing Roman Reigns just beat the shit out of Jay Uso again. And, like, I like Jay. He got that little comeback, and I like the little spot he did where he pulled the, um, the little rope on the Superman punch. Made him fall, but yeah. besides that, like we knew it was gonna happen. Roman Reigns is gonna beat the shit out of him, and it was fun. It just lasted way too long. Yeah, Jesse, what do you think? I I really enjoyed the match and the match itself. I'm not sure that I agree that the match was too long. I think everything around the match was too long. It was like took up the entire first hour of the show. This is like very. If you took ninety Monday Night War era. WWE and reverse the booking of the card. <laughs> like they just started out with something that was very deliberately paced. Um, it, it, the whole thing altogether went very, very, very long with all the packages and the long ass entrance, all the talking before the match kicked off, that kind of stuff. That being said, I do think that they really utilized the close camera angles and their environment and the talking and their facials extremely well to sell everything involved in the match. The strap bit was fun but kind of goofy in the sense of like okay it's another gimmick and also jay could not seem to get that strap wrapped around roman <laughs> that, and save yeah, his life in the middle of it. just kept slipping off and slipping off but um i mean the end shot with the wild samoans was extremely powerful i thought the finish in and of itself was pretty inventive in terms of you know jimmy running out and that's how the i quit thing happens yada 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 all in all, I mean, I thought it was great. I, I do I, I see what they did trying to kick it off that way. I do think it would have been better reserved for the end of the show, in my opinion. But overall, I got to give it like 
a good four and a half beers, to be honest. Wes, how many beers did you drink on this one? Solid four. Solid four beers. Solid four. Okay, so for me, man, I, I'm going to say this. I honestly think that the Uso-Roman Reigns storyline, because I know it's going to lead to the other Uso, and it's going to lead to just... I, I, I think that this is the best thing going in any company today. I think this is the best individual angle that is going in any in any wrestling show. I think that heel Roman is fucking phenomenal, and I think that I, I absolutely loved every part of this. I felt like it was slow, but to me, like... The length was almost like uh, uncomfortable. You know what I mean? It wasn't like it wasn't like I felt like it was too it was like too slow or that like it was too long as in like there wasn't enough action. I felt like it was too long because like it was so uncomfortable. Like like I felt like they did a really good job with the drama and the match. To me, this is the way WWE wrestling should be. It should be based on pure storyline and the and the the action is supposed to accent the drama now like other pro wrestling can be action first and then drama can you know lead to the to the action but like wwe has always tried to be drama first action second and i'm fine with that i think that that this angle is the perfect example of it um i loved having the wild samoans at the end too kind of like actually crown him tribal chief i thought that was super fucking cool and i do think that eventually both guys both usos are going to be like indentured serve like slaves to him like they're going to have to do bad shit even though like almost like in a virgil way like the fans will love them still but they're just like forced to do like all this negative shit like i can just feel it i can see where it's going and i love it I drank my entire six-pack and went to the damn store for more, dude. I loved this match so much. I loved the angle so much. Uh, it wasn't so much work rate-wise. work rate wise, I'm kind of with you guys. I, I mean, if, it, if I'm just judging it strictly on, like, a, you know, you know, a strictly a, a technical wrestling point of view, maybe three beers, maybe. But, I mean, overall, the feeling that I got from it, the love of the character, the love of this storyline specifically, whole six-pack, drank the whole damn thing loved it let's jump back over to bound for glory uh match number two on the card here it's the call your shot gauntlet match uh i will say though right before we had this like after the first match there was some backstage segment here with rhino and uh and heath and the audio was painfully timed and like it happened multiple times throughout here the production is just like if they can fix a few little things, they can be great. But the few little things that they do fuck up makes them look really rinky-dink. You know what I mean? That really bothered me. Uh, did you guys notice those flubs, Wes? I, I thought first I thought it was like a joke, but then like I kind of realized that it was a botch after a minute. Like I didn't, I kind of didn't know what to think at first because I heard like the dire- I heard like someone say something and they just started all over again. Yeah, they. I feel they, like this is, they yeah. were waiting on an action call. Like yeah. And they, this uh, has been one of those issues since Raven and TNA. I mean, yeah. But, I mean, the pre-show panel, too, I don't know if it was different in different markets or what it was, but the panel in and of itself, there was just so much fucking dead air. And whoever the one guy was, I forget his name, not D'Lo, not Madison Rain, but the other guy that was on the panel. He, the guy was supposed to be holding it together. <laughs> yeah, he just could not form a fucking sentence to save his life. It was just the pits, man. Like, D'Lo was pretty on point the entire time. Madison Rain just kept, like, repeating what the other guys were saying kind of <laughs> like yeah and i don't agreed. know it was just really shitty but th- those things are i think that they've gotten really comfortable in their current filming situation for doing their shows to tape but i don't know that they're really I mean, the live thing just has not been their forte yet that's the only time that you really see stuff like that and it's 
pretty glaring when it goes down. Yeah, man. So here we go. The next the next match on the card here is that Call Your Shot Gauntlet match. I thought the match kind of was what it was. A battle royal is a battle royal to me. Uh, I thought Myers looked great, and they got the guys over that they wanted to get over. I do like the stakes of the match, being like you can kind of pick whatever uh, title that you want, or in this case, just essentially Heath getting his contract, which is great. I think that works out well. Um, I, I kind of liked it with Sammy and Rhino being the last two. I thought that was well booked. I thought they did it. They put it together well even though you kind of knew what was going or where it was going i i enjoyed it um but you know it was a battle royal about i'm, I'm about two beers deep on this one uh wes what do you think about the call your shot golem yeah same thing i mean it was a pretty fun classic battle royal you know you got some cool returns hornswoggle james storm yeah, yeah. i think it's funny everybody like makes a big deal james storm lives in nashville already so why is it such a big surprise that he would show up at bound for glory you know but uh yeah. It's cool. I liked uh, the Tommy Dreamer, him and Hornswoggle doing the mini Doomsday device. That was pretty that fun. That was funny. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and when Tommy Dreamer first came out, like I double had to do a double take because I realized it was Road Warrior makeup, but the way it was, I thought he was wearing like King Diamond face paint, and I was like, "What the <laughs> fuck?" But then I was like, "Oh, oh, okay, Road Warriors." But I thought it was fun. Uh, I did like the the Brian Meyer spot with the where he took the picture with uh, Tennille Dashwood, and then just yeah, sent Thumped her up. Her out. Yeah. And like you said, it was a very obvious build. The guy, number one guy is going to outlast everybody. But, like, fun story, Heath getting his contract. I liked it. I'll give it – I'm going to go ahead two and a half beers because I, I like – the mini Doomsday device popped me for that half a beer. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Jesse, what do you think, man? I'm, I'm at three beers is where I landed on this one. And, you know, I, I was middle of the road on all of the grading systems on it. I did enjoy it. The thing about a, a match like this – I think it had all of the same reasons that I like a Royal Rumble, like the surprise appearance aspect, yeah. the little team up things here and there, inventive spots to get people out, yada, yada, yada. But it wasn't near as long, thank God. And, you know, you kind of had the people that had the different roles in the match. I will say, though, the Rhino thing being obvious, I have to disagree with because the running rumor mill is Heath was originally supposed to win, but he got hurt. He went to the hospital immediately afterward with a hernia. And if you notice, oh, no. that she got downed and he was like talking to the referee or whatever. And they ended up kind of just like scooting him out of the match. But apparently he was originally booked to win the thing. So thank God they didn't accidentally because the whole bit was him getting the contract and them getting the chance to go for the tag titles. So thank God yeah. Rhino, he didn't book Rhino to be eliminated before that time. But, nice, uh, yeah. you know, the uh, and who knows, that could all be bullshit, but. You notice when he gets like when he's down and he's talking to the ref, they flash the camera away from it pretty quickly. But there's a bunch of other pictures online of that happening too. He um, did go to the hospital. I do know that because he posted a picture himself from the hospital. Yeah, I mean he oh, he baby. definitely was hurt. And then and they make reference to the fact that he was hurt on the show this week and stuff too. But I mean, again, overall three beers. I love the appearances. I love the bit with Swaggle and Dreamer. Um, you know, I the James Storm thing. I know he lives in Nashville, but it still popped me. You know, it's still I mean, kind of yeah, it's easy not, payday. It's an easy yeah. payday, baby. And he's been talking about all that shit with NXT recently. And he, I think he did a pretty good job for dirt sheet fans anyway to like sort of get the pot stirred and make it a little bit more of a surprise. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I have my own personal feelings about James Storm, but cool. Cool. I'm glad that he got his, his nice little return there. Uh, let's move on back over to Hell in a Cell 2020 match number two on the card here is Elias versus Jeff Hardy. 
Uh, yeah, the, uh, the, the whole song gimmick thing with him is like, I think it's played out. I think that it had its time and now it's not, I mean, it's like, it was really annoying and then it kind of got over because it was so annoying. And now it's like, uh, we're past this. It almost be like having like Mizdow happen again. It's like this, it was over. It did work, but it's just, I don't know. I just feel like he's kind of past it. It doesn't really make sense to me. I would like for him to just not have a guitar anymore, but that's definitely not where they're going with him. Kind of sad. Um, Jesse, what do you think about this match, man? Elias versus Jeff Hardy. Uh, it's like a beer and a half or something. I don't know. I mean, I love Jeff. I, I, I still think that Jeff um, has a great place in any company at the moment. Sure. Um, I, I agree. The song thing's played out. I just wish they'd have Jarrett put him out of his misery and then just get rid of the whole song thing, like make him afraid of guitars after getting whacked with one or something. But the, um, yeah, that'd be it, great. I think that'd be funny. The build, you know, the build was what it was. We got to suffer through yet another awful WWE superstar doing a live performance. And then probably the worst among them is the one who attacked him on Raw before the show, which would be Jeff Hardy. And uh, I don't know. It was just in the middle. I thought the finish didn't look a sense for what they did. It was just a way out of the match, you know? And yeah. I, I don't envy them having to follow the hour-long situation that came before them by any stretch of the imagination, but I definitely don't think it was either guy's best work. For sure. What do you think, Wes? The only reason I'm going to give this a beer just because Jeff Hardy is in the match. And overall, like I think this is the lamest, stalest, like feud still bringing up the DUIs and the fucking drinking, even Jesus. though... like kayfabe they prove that jeff hardy didn't run him over yeah like it still doesn't make any like fucking sense and you know it was nothing special it was a decent match and like i agree with jesse the guitar finish was just like a cheap cop out and it fell so flat after watching that long like brutal like serious match and then you get this like borderline like comedy feud like just bullshit and jeff hardy like he he deserves better. Like he does not need to be feuding with Elias out of all people, and and he doesn't deserve like the fucking drinking references and bullshit. Still, like we get it. Like fuck. So yeah, yeah. I get it. I give it a beer. I agree. I I mean I yeah I'm I'm pretty much in the same boat. I give it a beer. I actually do think I think Elias is a pretty good worker in in general. I just hate his gimmick. I think he could use a, a totally new repackage. I know it's not gonna happen, uh, but I think that he could really benefit from it. Um, I mean, even maybe bump him to NXT. I think that'd be kind of cool. I think he'd do really well with the guys they have on the roster over there. Um, I was kind of hoping that he would end up there with the um, with the draft, but it didn't work out. Uh, yeah, I mean, overall, I think it's the same thing, too. I mean, of course, I, I mean, the match is kind of doomed to fail just because it's having to follow that ridiculous opener. Um, I mean, it's, it, there's not really much you can do. I mean, I will say that spinning powerbomb spot was pretty dope. Uh, I mean, the DQ definitely hurt the rating, uh, but, the, it, you know, it just it was what it was. I mean, what else can you say about that one? I'm, I'm giving it about a beer. I think we're all about the same ready, ready for the next one. Uh, so let's jump back over here to Bound for Glory. And uh, the next the next match on the card here is, well, it's a, more of a cinematic match, but it's a uh, Moose versus EC3 for the TNA World Heavyweight Championship, I guess. I don't even know if the championship's really on the line as much as it is just kind of part of the package. Uh, right before the match, though, the North. Uh, cut a pretty amazing promo on um, on on their on the upcoming um, tag team match later on in the night. I, f- I feel like those dudes are just gonna be mega mega stars at some point. Um, yeah, what did you guys think about that promo and thoughts on this this uh, Moose EC3 match? Jesse, give it to me. 
Man, the promo was great. I love the North. Um, there was a point in time where I was definitely advocating for them to like get out of Impact and go elsewhere or whatever. But now, yeah. seeing the way Impact is gone, I mean, I, I really feel coming out of this that they could be poised to be at the top of the most on the rise situation that there is. You know, I and I don't think that it's a good idea for them to move at the moment because they're obviously being featured extremely heavily and they're doing a great job at it. So that's great. Um, we get into them a little bit more during the tag team match, of course. Moose EC3. I get the pairing. I get what they've done here. I kind of feel feel for EC3 because right after he did all those promos, after he left the E, you kind of see WWE copy some of the ideas from that like underground fight club promo that he cut completely independently of them in the form of things like raw underground and shit. And yeah. it was very like, I feel like impact waited too long to pull the trigger on getting EC three into an actual match, which I mean, technically being this was cinematic, they still haven't. So, yeah. Which is kind of <laughs> insane to me. Yeah. And I, I mean, I, you know, they could just be building to it being a, a real special thing when they finally do. I could see why you might do something like that, but it's still, it feels like a little bit of a waste to me to not have him in ring and not have him making more substantial live appearances or whatever. Overall, the way the match was presented, I thought it was exactly what it was supposed to be. EC3 and Moose's head, yada, yada, yada. Why EC3 is losing in the first time that he's in competition and impact, I don't, for a fake belt thing, I really don't get. Um, I, I get that they're trying to build Moose, but I mean, I don't know how hard you have to work to do that. I don't right. think loss would have hurt Moose. I think if anything, EC3 and his environment and this thing that he orchestrated needed to go over. But, uh, I mean, this is a, you know, this is a couple of beers for me. I mean, it was entertaining. It was a little bit different. It was outside of the box. And for that, I'll give it two. But that's about where I sit. Wes, where are you at with this one, man? Yeah, I, uh, I'll i give it two beers also because it was definitely entertaining, but it was super weird. Like, I, I've i been following, like, the storyline, but the whole match just was, like, just, just super weird to me. Like, they had, like, the little yeah. people smack, like – doing the thing to the ring, like smacking around. And I just didn't, I just didn't really understand him for a minute. It took me to figure out like, who, like what was going on there playing the stuff of his voice, like in his head. And I was just like, what? And I don't know. Yeah. It was very confusing, but it was entertaining. And I liked like, like um, all the, like all the blood from hit from uh, EC3 was just all over Moose's white gear. I thought that was pretty cool. But uh, how many beers are you on this one? I'll go to like just because it was something different and kind of unique, but I'm ready to see EC3 in a real match for a real title. Same. I'm ready to see just yeah, just get back to where he was because he was on top of Impact. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like I'm I'm pretty much in the same boat as both of you guys. I'm about two beers deep on this one as well. Uh, for me, it was more that I was pretty hyped for it, and like especially looking at the card and knowing it was on the card, I was like really pumped to see it. And then when I find out it's like a cinematic thing, that let me down. And then also like. It's a pre-taped cinematic segment, and there were, like, missteps. Like, how? How does that happen? How, I don't how? understand when they do how, that. How do you have a botch in like a pre-taped segment? Like, what the fuck is that? Like, I feel like, like they left him in to make it not look polished and clean, you know? But I, I don't yeah, think... Yeah, but it's I like... I don't agree I don't with it, but... <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I, I can understand you wanting the grittiness, but, like... I don't know to have him like completely miss the tur- like the the um there was a one point where he like went to throw Moose into the the you know the uh, what is it the ring post on the outside and he just like 
obviously misses it. And I'm like, and I don't know. It just like, dude, this is pre-taped. Like you could edit this better. Like it could still be, you could, you could even like shaking the camera or done something different and in post to make it feel not so sloppy. Like it just felt very rinky dink. It felt like the guy that actually edited that actual video probably shouldn't have the job that he has. It felt like very college project ish to me. Honestly, like the, with the, the actual production, it, it just it it really didn't feel up to uh, uh, up to any consumable level. It felt very, you know, I felt like you there there are YouTubers that put together you know videos better than this, in my opinion. It just it really wasn't, it, and that's that it, that's not to say anything against Moose or EC3 at all. I, I like the idea. I like the whole being in his head. I, I I like all of it, and I would dare say that like. I think EC3 does a string of these and like I I feel like he is kind of Impact's golden child to begin with. So I I think that like if they can keep him going and like losing but also kind of like recruiting people, I I don't have any problem with that. Cuz I do feel like this whole thing with Moose isn't really over and I feel like it's going to end with Moose and him on the same side, like he's building a faction or something. And so if if that's the way it is, like he's like building a faction, he's just losing to his to the people that are going to come and eventually follow him. I'm completely cool with that. I think They'll it's a kind it of a unique way to do it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Moose is now Nightstick. Um no, I'm just kidding. Um yeah, but speaking of, let's hop back over here to Hell in a Cell. Uh, match number three on the card here is Otis versus The Miz for the Money in the Bank contract. Uh, before that, we saw the uh, the now, I, I, I dare say, fairly infamous uh, Law and Otis segment. And I loved that. I popped for it huge. I love Otis as a comedy act. I absolutely, like, if he's in any kind of backstage segment, I want to see it. If he's in between the ropes, I have no desire to watch it. That's exactly how I feel about Otis. I, I, I think he's super entertaining, but I don't think he can wrestle to save his life. Uh, Jesse, what do you think about Otis versus The Miz and uh, this whole Law and Otis segment leading up to it? See, we differ there because I do like... I mean, his in-ring work to me totally makes sense. I don't love him as a single, but I, I like him as a tag. I think that he can go. I mean, for a guy his size, if you look at the ups on that dude, he's got some movement to him. For being a big old butterball looking motherfucker, sure. you know what I'm saying? The um, now, I mean, is he basically a big Scotty Too Hottie? Yeah, but yeah, Scotty that's a great Hottie way to say it. Though, you know, like sure, so sure, it, sure, sure. <laughs> it makes sense. But this match, you know, I don't. This is one of those matches that I think the match wasn't really there for the match. It was there right. for the sole purpose of. Moving the money in the bank over because obviously Morrison and Miz are going to end up going a different direction as they fucking should, and yeah, finally getting Otis and Tucker split apart as well. Which I don't know how. I, it, every I heard a lot of people being like, "Oh, it's surprising that they did that or whatever." The only bit about it that's surprising to me is that they waited until they were on different rosters because you would think that you would want to be able to capitalize on a feud off that. Oh, wait a minute, we're going right into Survivor Series, so it's yeah. fucking anyway, but. I just think there's a focus. rumor. There's a rumor that there's going to be another draft in January. I heard so that. So it's like, what? it's like, yeah, they're going to do another draft after the Royal Rumble, like between Royal Rumble and WrestleMania. So at that point, that will have been a little less than four months with it with this roster. That's like, what does that even mean? That's ridiculous. What does that even mean? <laughs> you know why though? 
Why are people coming back from injury and stuff? Yes, no, those yes. draft episodes and the subsequent season premieres got ratings on Fox and USA oh, okay. way higher than what they had been getting. And when I say way higher, it might have been a couple of points, but still. Yeah, like, that's, which is a, but that's significant. That's, a few, that's tens of thousands of people. Yeah, if you're looking at Raw and USA and looking at the dismal fucking numbers that have been coming in up to now, I mean, I, you can't blame them for wanting to do it. And they're just leaning that pressure button in, dude. See, but, okay, so I've actually heard a little sidebar here since we're talking about fucking Otis and The Miz. Um, a little side, like I've heard that they that USA is wanting to like is wanting to renegotiate a three hour block and go back to a two hour time slot. And I, honest to God, thinks that 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 is why SmackDown is getting better ratings. It's not because it's, it's I mean, it's not. I'm sure because it's on Fox, it has a lot to do with it. I mean, you can stream it from your fucking phone and you can do it for free. Anybody can watch SmackDown. Um, but the fact that it's only two hours as opposed to a three-hour show, I mean, nobody wants to dedicate three hours to a show. That just doesn't, I mean, any kind of television show, like, all unless it's drags, live sports. Dude. Yeah, all, I mean, I think all the, drags. The only reason that I was under the impression they were on three anyway is because they wanted the extra hour of advert income and that in that third hour, they can do slightly more on TV than they're allowed in the first couple of hours. Oh no, the E wants to keep all three hours. It's yeah, it's, yeah, the yeah. Net, it's USA that's like, uh, maybe we should back it off because it's not it's not working out. Like yeah, <laughs> you smart. know what I mean? Yeah, I agree. I think it would I think it would do them good. I actually think it would be better to kill the first hour. Oh yeah. So just make it made it late, you know what I'm saying? Like I think that like would it be used better. To just be make back it, in the day. It used to come yes. out. Yes, that's dude. the way it that's should be. That's the way it should be. Eight to ten is the way to be. I agree. I think that they could benefit from that quite a bit. Um, yeah, so, uh, Wes, what did you think about this Otis versus, um, Miz match? I'll give it about, uh, three beers. It's like a solid in the middle. Point out, it really wasn't about the in-ring work, which wasn't bad. It was about developing sure. that story, which they did perfect. Uh, yeah. I mean, they worked, you know, the little, they, you know, they did a little, their little hill spots. Morrison got ejected. So, like, they worked like a classic little match and everything, but it definitely helped develop the story and... Miz's reaction was fuck, like fucking fantastic. Like when he his surprise shock reaction, he was just I thought he sold that really really well. And honestly, for a minute when I was watching the match, I was kind of kind of getting distracted, not paying attention. And then as soon as Tucker popped him with the briefcase, I was just like, it just pulled me right back in there. And, yeah. Yeah. So I'll probably uh, definitely I'll give this thing three beers right in the middle. Just uh, Jesse, how many beers were you on this one? I was also right at three. This is this is one of those shows where everybody's agreeing on everything for the most part. Yeah, right? I'm not. I'm not. I'm not That's so weird. much on. This. I'm like I'm, I'm. I'm about a beer on this one. I, oh, I, okay, I mean, there we go. Sure, sure. They advanced it, and the only reason why I honestly gave it a beer is because I, I'm. I honestly think that the Miz is underutilized. I mean, I know everyone's like, oh, oh, Morrison. I can't believe that they brought him back, and it's just now they're wasting Morrison. I'm like, dude, fuck. Like, I'm. I'm more pissed that they're wasting Miz. Like, I, I think, think that. It's both I think of this them. is like. I think this is prime Miz time, though. Like, I think this is the prime of his career. This could be the prime of his career. I think he should be, dude. In my opinion, Miz should be in the WWE title picture with with Drew McIntyre, no questions asked. Like, I he think he is a main event now, level so guy. Maybe, yes, maybe. yes, and I think that that's where they sh- they should go with it. Like, I mean, I mean, well, we'll see. I mean, we'll see what happens with with the rest of the card. But I don't know. I, I I'm a huge fan of Miz. I, I would I would say over the past. I mean that whole that whole Intercontinental title run that he had a couple years ago 
just really boosted his whole – I mean, his in-ring work got better. His mic technique got better. He became way more believable. He wasn't just the reality star that turned wrestler. Um, overall, I think that he's underutilized. So for me – and I, and honestly, guys, like Otis to me is like Santino Morella. I, I mean, sure, is he, does he serve his purpose? Absolutely, he does. Is he a little entertaining? Yeah, but I could never see him on TV again and never fucking miss him. You know what I mean? Like I could just I – could, I could do without Otis altogether. So for me – Yes, he's kind of entertaining. The Mandy Rose storyline's kind of funny. Whatever, you know, good for him. Glad he's having a nice little career. But I don't give a shit about it. Is. He's got a solid worm, though, like a very solid worm. Well, we can for ask being, for being uh, such a fat I, guy. He's very smooth with it. Well, we have to ask uh, ask Mandy Rose about his worm. But um, yeah, let's let's jump back over to Bound for Glory here. The next match on the card is Eddie Edwards versus Ken Shamrock. Um. Man, I thought it was a good call to kind of use uh, The Rock on the actual wrestling show, too. I know they had showed his his like package before on the, the pre-show, uh, but I thought it was really cool. And I, I, I'm, I'm like kind of baffled that Vince allowed it to happen, you know what I mean? Like to have The Rock on another wrestling pay-per-view, because essentially that is what happened. Um, I, I, it it, it kind of blows my mind. I mean, granted, like, you know, Impact is definitely third place, a distant third place in this whole competition between companies. But still, the fact that Vince was just cool with it kind of blows my mind. Um, what do you got? I mean, overall, like thoughts on The Rock being on an Impact show? Like, that's kind of crazy, right? I mean, they've done talent trade for Hall of Fame spots with TNA in the past. That's true. That's true. I, I think that's that when true. it comes to inducting someone... If I'm Vince, I only really see it as them paying homage to Shamrock's WWE career more than anything. You know what I mean? For and, sure. For sure. Like, so it, it's not as though he needs press from Impact. But at the same time, I mean, the other people like Brett and Mick and stuff like that, he can't control. And I mean, I doubt he can control The Rock, but I'm sure that they didn't have a falling out over it. You know, <laughs> like I doubt right. it. Oh, yeah. I would bet it probably wouldn't have even been on his radar unless somebody came to him and was like, hey, Dwayne's going to do this. Just so you're aware, you know. Yeah. Plus, at this point, The Rock doesn't really need fucking anybody or anything to be successful. He could start his own damn company tomorrow, and it would probably be at least the number two company right away. Oh, yeah. um, Wes, what do you think about you know The Rock being on an Impact show? I mean, when I first heard the announcement about it, I was like, "What in the fuck is going on here?" But I mean, yeah. I enjoyed it. I love The Rock. Why not? Yeah. Who doesn't, man? He, he can do whatever the fuck he wants. Like Jesse said, he doesn't need anybody. He has. He's good. Rock He's is gonna, and Rock, mark my words, Dwayne Johnson is going to be the president of the United States at some point. It's going to happen. No doubt in my I've, mind. I don't, I've never registered to vote, but I will vote for The Rock. <laughs> I've always said that if The Rock or Stone Cold ever run for president, I'll vote. Imagine if it was the two of them against each other. Woo, oh, man, my God. I would not know It'd what like to do It would be like the early 2000s all over again. Uh, yeah, I would. I'd really have to. Uh, but the debates, though, the promos yeah. of those debates, oh, like man. how great would that be? Good it would make me God. want to watch them. Like, I don't oh, know. absolutely, must see TV if you will. Um, yeah, next match on the card here: Eddie Edwards versus Ken Shamrock. Uh, for me, this one seemed um, a little too a little too worked shoot. You know what I mean? It felt a little too um, raw underground esque. Like, I know that, you know, Shamrock is Shamrock, but he's also a pretty damn good wrestler, too. You don't really have to do this work shoot shit with him. Uh, I understand, too, that you got Sammy in his corner, and Sammy's trying to bring back the world's most dangerous man version of Ken Shamrock. And he's doing all that old shit that he was doing before, you know, like he hasn't really been doing, uh, I guess, really recently. But 
I don't know. It just wasn't really my type of thing. Granted, to be fair, uh, out of all the you know 50, 50 or 50 plus guys that are still wrestling, I thought Ken Shamrock looked good. I thought that he didn't get blown up, and I thought that he still looks like he's in better shape than Chris Jericho. Overall, I'm about two beers, maybe even two and a half beers on this one. Wes, where, where are you at with Eddie Edwards versus Ken Shamrock? I'm a little bit above you. I'm going to go three beers, and probably because I like the work shoot stuff he was doing, just because it's such a classic throwback to just everything that he does, and it's just sure, fun to yeah. see. Just fun to see Ken Shamrock do stuff like that, and I agree with you. For being 56, that man looks damn good. He's probably Jesus. definitely yeah. jacked up on some shit, but it doesn't matter. He can still work, and and I liked the I like the whole like the whole mind games with uh you know. Eddie Edwards and like Sammy Callahan with the baseball bat and like the whole yeah. throwback to where he broke his whole face and everything and it was fun. I mean, Shamrock ended up getting him with the ankle lock like classic. I mean, it was a nice yeah. like little nostalgic throwback that definitely still built the little story slime between the two. So I'll give it a. I'll definitely go with uh, another right in the middle three beers. Jesse, you're up, bud. I was at about two and a half. I like. I enjoyed the match overall. I think Shamrock, you know, he doesn't quite show his age. He shows some, but he, you know, he really, for the shape that he's in and stuff, it's still just so impeccable. Obviously, neither Impact nor Bellator is really doing the stringent kind of drug testing policy that WWE implements here. I don't think, but yeah. it's, no, it's, not you know, at all. And, uh, one of those. I will, okay, quick word about that, though. Look. Dude, this is entertainment. This is pro wrestling. I don't give a fuck if guys take steroids. Like, oh, I just no shits about it. Me I don't either. I'm just pointing out, like, the, the it's it just so blatantly obvious that sometimes I can't help oh, but for sure, for sure, a little for sure. bit. Like, it looks like he did when he ref Austin Rock and, or I mean, Austin and Brett in WrestleMania 13 when it looked like his fucking referee shirt was painted on. It looked like his peck was literally going to pop. Like, yeah, it was yeah, way and, too big. So I mean, there, there's that whole thing. It was cool to give him in the you know the obvious win on the night that he got inducted into the Hall of Fame. I thought the match was looked nice and tough. They gave Eddie some really good spots. It made Eddie look great, in my opinion. And oh, for sure, that, I agree. And the fact that he didn't really get a clean win, uh, you know, if you count the psychology and the blackout and the whole thing, like that kind of it leaves Eddie untouched to make Shamrock, you know, look pretty good walking out. I think overall it did good things for both guys. It was just a little. Uh, it was just missing some third kind of heat for me, you know? Yeah, I agree with you there. Also, like, I'm not a big MMA guy. I don't like watching dudes, like, kind of like, I, I don't know. I'm not a boxing guy. I, can't, I I hate just waiting around for something to happen. I hate that feeling. It makes me feel anxious. Like, I just, I don't I don't like it at all. I mean, I, I like watching highlights. I like seeing people get knocked out. I like, like seeing the actual action. That's cool. But, like, the waiting around for... 15 minutes for a solid maybe 30 to 45 seconds of action is just not not for me. Now, granted, there are some exceptions to the rule. There was, you know, Silva and George St. Pierre and, of course, Conor McGregor. Those those fights were always action-packed, and, like, they're always fun to watch. But for the most part, I'm not just a watch-MMA-type dude. That's just not my thing. Uh, I, I feel you. I don't really watch it like that, but I can definitely respect, like, you know, respect what they do. Oh, for sure. For sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, but yeah, back over here to uh, the Hell in a Cell show. Um, we had we got a nice little promo from Miz. Always good. I mean, nobody, at least he's in the top ten best talkers in the business for sure. And then Tucker got his little time on the mic. I, it, I'm interested to see how he does as a single. You know what I mean? Like I'm interested to see because Tucker is obviously the workhorse out of that tag team for sure. Um, I'm not saying that he was good, 
I'm just saying that he was the workhorse out of the tag team. I'll, I'll be interested to see him as a heel, see how that works, see if he flounders or not. Um, yeah, man. What did you guys think about that promo, that little backstage segment, the breakup, anything there, any meat on the bone there for you guys? Eh, it was there. I mean, they forwarded the storyline they meant to forward, I guess. I don't know. I think Tucker has the potential to surprise everybody by having an upside. The story will be told here in the next month or so. I think if there's not some serious fire and some serious reactions from the audience within the next like four to six weeks, then blooms off the rose and it's done. You know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I think he's going to get his walking papers soon, honestly. Wes, what do you think, man? Oh, yeah. I mean, I kind of expect, I just for some reason had a feeling that he was going to come up from, like, that uh, Otis was going to come up from behind and attack Tucker. So it, it did, like, it did what it did. It made it sense. It did what it did. Okay. Well, I know <laughs> that Wes is a big fan of Banks and Bailey, and that's what we have next here on the card for the WWE SmackDown Women's Championship inside of Hell in a Cell. So, Wes. Go ahead and lead us off here, man. How many beers are you drinking? What do you think about this match? I'm going to go five five and a quarter beers on this match. Holy shit. All right. I, like, honestly, I think this was way better than their first Hell in a Cell match. Like, the, the first one, all I can remember is all those Japanese table spots, if you know what I'm yeah. talking about. Yeah. And uh, so, and just this one was so much better. Like, the way they worked, and I like the whole dynamic of the hill face switch in this match. From the yeah. last one. And, like, it was just, like, I love that brutal spot when she, Sasha Banks, ran smashed, ran her into the cage with the table, then used it to run up and hit the meteor. Like, like they utilized the fucking Hell in a Cell perfect. Like, they utilized it in every way instead of just being inside of it, which, I don't know. But they brutalized each other. Like, it was just, like, honestly, I didn't really know who was going to win because it was just, like, back and forth and... I just can't say enough. Like, definitely, definitely my favorite matchup. Not my favorite matchup between them because Takeover is definitely number one, but this is definitely sitting there at number two for me. And like, they just beat the hell out of each other, and I loved it. I don't, I don't have really much anything more detailed to say about that. They Wes, executed our, spots a lot better, and they just—it was great. Jesse, where you at on it? I, I give it a five and a half beers, man. I. Uh... I thought, I mean, to me, I think it was obviously match of the night material. Uh, I, you know, I get that. I understand that, you know, the Roman and Jay deal. But to me, I thought for a Hell in a Cell pay-per-view, I got to agree with Wes that not only did they utilize the cell, but the cell is such a stranger concept to get away with these days now that WWE is so anti-blood vehemently. You know, your your brutality is kind of limited to a handful of things. They were very, very innovative with all of the weapon spots that they brought out. It wasn't just, here's a kendo stick, whack. You know, <laughs> like, they definitely, you know, the uh, the catapult into the kendo stick spot was one of my favorite things I've seen in some time. Um, I thought that the time went in their favor. And as much as I've hated this angle, you know, week after week after week of, of you know, how they built it or whatever, this match was a fantastic fucking payoff, in my opinion. And, definitely. Uh, it definitely kept me guessing the entire time as to what they were going to do. Uh, I thought both people really just performed to their roles stellarly. And yeah, I, I absolutely loved it. Yeah. I mean, I think you guys are drinking too much and you might need a, uh, a designated driver here because this is, I mean, it was a, it was a good match. I'm not saying it was bad, but I'm about maybe half a six pack in I'm about three, maybe three and a half. Um, to me, man, I know it's just personal opinion, but like, I, I mean, that's this whole fucking show is, but like, to me, 
I, I'm just tired of seeing this damn match, man. Like, I'm really tired of Banks and Bailey. Like, I'm just so done with it. Like, I just, I, to me, they've already done it. They've already done all, all of it. I mean, granted, those kendo stick spots, they, yes, they were innovative. Were, were, the, were the spots cool and innovative? Yeah. Her running up the, the, the table to do that Meteora into the cage was super cool. There were some co- cool spots, cool stuff that they did, but it's like, damn, man, like, I'm just so tired of this. Like, I just, I mean, if you think about all the feuds throughout history, it's like, I mean, even the legendary ones, Rock, Austin, like, they had breaks and long runs with other people. I mean, long runs with other people. And these guys, like, they'll have maybe one other feud, maybe two at most, and they're back together. And it's like, damn it, like, you have so many good women on your roster. Like, even from NXT, shit, send one of them back to NXT. That would be great, too. Like, I mean, to me, I'm just, I'm tired of seeing it, man. So, for me, I, I mean, was the match good? Yes, it was. It, I mean, because Banks and Bailey is always at least good. And I do feel like this was better than their last Hell in a Cell. So, I mean, I'm giving it, you know, three and a half beers. It's a pretty solid rating. It's one of the better ratings that I have on the show, for sure. Um, but, I don't know, man. I mean... I'm just I'm just damn tired of seeing Banks and Bailey. It's just it's 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 so played out. It's very 2015 to me. I mean, five fucking years, man. I mean, this Brett Sean didn't even last that long. You know what I mean? It's just this is this is insanely long for me. I just not uh not still with it. I'm 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 out on Banks and Bailey. I'm ready for it to be over. Uh, but you know, another match that I could have watched all damn night was the next match up here on Bound for Glory. It was the North versus Austin and Fulton versus the Good Brothers versus the Motor City Machine Guns for the Impact Tag Team Championships. Um, man, I thoroughly enjoyed this one. This one got a solid five beers from me. Uh, I thought they did a really great job. It's kind of crazy how Impact, the matches that I liked the most were normally matches that I don't like with a lot of people in them uh, because, like, like you know, they normally get really clustered up. They get a little weird. They get a little wonky. And there were a couple moments of it getting a little sticky here, uh, but it, it never – it was very brief. They, they, they All these guys were true pros. They picked it up. They're all veteran tag teams, and that's a big deal. Um, I thought it was kind of really good booking to kind of take Shelly out early. I don't know if there was a reason for that booking-wise, if he had, like, an injury or anything, and that's why they just did that. Uh, but I, I think they did a really good job with it. Um, overall, too, man, I think both Ace Austin and Ethan Page um, are both going to be mega stars. Uh, maybe not for Impact, but I think Ethan Page of the North is going to be a main event guy at some point. I also think the same thing about Ace Austin. I like his gimmick. I like his vibe. I like his look. Uh, it's almost like he's a high flyer, but he's got the strong style and his high flying. And I think that that's kind of unique almost very ibushi ish to me um i like him quite a bit um yeah overall i'm really excited about this i liked the whole finish i liked the way uh you know the north getting the, the win there uh jesse what do you think about this this tag team championship match i loved it man i'm a four and a half talking shop of mania beers into this motherfucker i i Hell really yeah. loved it it was uh oh yeah Again, I agree wholeheartedly with the fact that they utilized the multi-man situation in this match quite well. I really like the dynamic between the tag teams and how they used each other's various partners and yada, yada, yada. Um, the I think the North, like I said earlier, one of the best tag teams running. You know, the heel win is great. There was a little uh, on the Talking Shop of Mania podcast, the Patreon does a little boozing with the boys thing a couple times yeah. a month. They did one Friday night. And there was a signing that the Good Brothers did at a brewery in Pleasant View, Tennessee, or a bar or some such shit. 
And uh, the North showed up during the signing, and there was a whole, like, them cutting out, kerfuffle, kind of, like, shoot-looking altercation, you know. I'm doing air quotes for those that can't see. (laughs) But... The, um, I thought the match was great. I mean, I like that they built towards the Good Brothers versus the North, and I like that, you know, getting the titles back on the North I think is smart. I think it'll be a triumphant Agreed. win for Good Brothers eventually, and it was good that they kind of, you know, they went over dirty, obviously. Uh, I'm also big on Ace Austin. I thought I think he shines the more he's out. He actually was on Friday night's Revive Pro Bump in the Night 2 show um, as nice. well. So yeah. that's that's an exciting little tidbit of info for you. He still makes the indie shots from here and there, but I love it. I love overall, that. Overall, dude, I I thought it was great. Like I said, four and a half talking shop of mania beers. Wex, give it to me, bud. I'm gonna go ahead and start off with my rating of four talking shop of mania beers. There you go. But uh, I thought it was a great match, and like for for it being a multi man match, they at least had that whole story of uh, Shelly getting taken out at the beginning, and I noticed like especially the North just work the fuck over Chris Saban for most of the match. But he had some like really nice, like comebacks and stuff. And I agree. Like Jesse said, everybody was hitting double team moves. And even though ACE Austin and Fulton are like kind of a newer tag team compared to everybody else, like they haven't been teaming as long. Like they had some really cool, like moves that I've never seen done before. Like, I just thought it was an overall good match. And the one thing that I did notice though, the finish was very, very reminiscent to Dynamite Anniversary Show, FTR versus The Best Friends. It was almost the exact same finish. Oh, yeah. You're right. You're right. You're Belt right. shot, roll that. up. But uh, I noticed that. But that's, that's also a classic just tag team wrestling finish anyway, though, you know? Yeah, but just because it was on TV like a week ago, yeah. that's the only reason that I, won't, that I won't go the extra half a beer. Just because... That stuck with me. I was like, I just saw this recently. But overall, great match. Like I said, it was really cool. You know, going to be really, really cool with Ace Austin at the Revive show this weekend. But yeah, four beers, four talking shop of manias, as uh, yeah, Jesse I love says. it. I love it. Do we know what happened with Shelly? Was it just booking? Is there Was there an injury there? Does anybody know? Anybody got any information on that? I know he uh, he was off the Black Label Pro show as well. I don't know if that was okay. a work, or if that was a shoot or what, but I know that he also did not make that show, supposedly because of an injury. So, you know. Yeah, I would imagine there was probably an injury there. He probably just came out, I'll take this one big bump and, you know, go from there. Maybe it's a leg injury or something like that, and he's just took the pile driver and, you know, mosey it on out. It did kind of look like he had a limp when he was going out, and when he kind of came out, he wouldn't have the same kind of energy for the entrance. So uh, I'm, I'm guessing that's probably what was going on there. Um, hopefully he does well. Did not stretcher him out, by the way. <laughs> so, yeah, true. Legit neck Very injury, true. no dice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely, yeah, definitely not a uh, a neck injury there. Uh, but let's jump back over here to uh, Hell in a Cell, and unfortunately, um, we're all gonna have to drink to get through this next one. Uh, although I will say the the match here is is gonna be Bobby Lashley versus Slapjack um, oh. for the WWE United States Championship. Uh, I will say that the segment prior to the match, the Hurt Business promo, um, was better than the match itself. I think that MVP is uh, has potential to be the next Heyman. I mean, I think his 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 mic work since he's been back in the E has been the best of his career. I like that he can still work when he needs to. 
but really just kind of being um, almost the Farouk in this situation and probably much better on the mic than Ron Simmons was. I think MVP is really making the Hurt Business a solid stable just with his mouth, and that's amazing. Um, what did you guys think about that, that MVP Hurt Business promo and then uh, the match? Wes, give it to me. Definitely MVP is one of the best on the mic, and probably that's probably why they have him as the mouthpiece of the group, just because of how solid and fluid he is on yeah. the mic, and he's just he can just easily cut anything. He like can he can put anybody over easily on the mic. Yeah. And as for the match, uh, oh, what can I say about this? Uh, we had bootleg Casey Jones versus Bobby Lashley. I mean, he really, I mean, he got a few little offensive moves in the beginning, locked in the master lock or the hurt lock, but I'm always going to call it the master lock just, just because, I mean, it is what it, it is what it is. He squashed them and the hurt business looks and looks good. And then retribution kind of came down to try to like fight him off, but then ran away because they just continue to bury him and make him look like bitches. And I don't really got much to say about this. I give this a beer. A uh, beer? Yeah. A beer. Oh, yeah. I uh, might be closer in the same boat with you. Jesse, what do you think, man? Uh, I was, you know, I think I wrote down 24 beers in the way of, like, please get me drunk enough to forget this fucking horseshit ever came across my television set. It was uh, just such a waste to filler. They didn't have enough matches on the show, I guess, or whatever it is that they wanted to do. I don't know. I'm I, I, The thing that depresses me about the most, Slapjack is clearly not the... Uh, star member of retribution which just means they're gonna keep doing this they're just setting yeah. them up to feed no. them to them <laughs> and i'm like man i would have yeah. rather seen like at least get somebody like Dijak in there and make it yeah. look good for five minutes and then get just fucking kill it kill it with fire get rid of it no i agree completely man i i think that this whole thing to me i didn't finish my beer and i went to another bar it was sour it, i i think this whole thing should have been um, you know, on main event at best, or you know, like I don't even think it should have been on SmackDown or Raw. I, I think this is a, uh, a a slow, small building block. I don't think that I think you could have it, it deleted or not even had any of this happen, and it wouldn't have affected, um, you know, the storyline either positively or negatively, which is not what you want at all. Uh, it was really just a squash for Lashley. And to me, like, I feel like Shane Thorne is not even the right guy to be in Retribution. Like, I think, I mean, I miss TM61. I don't know why. I mean, they were a really good team. I don't know why the WWE just insists on fucking up every tag team they've ever gotten that comes to them. Uh, but that's just, that's what they like to do. I think Shane Thorne is much better in TM61. I, I don't understand why they ever changed. I mean, I understand that they had some injury history, and that's what kind of happened there. But, I mean, to yep, me, that guy is a tag Japan, I think. Yeah, like what, what? Like I don't. Why, I don't know. I I don't. I think that he should have gone with him. I think he should have just stayed in the tag team and gone to New Japan uh, and yeah, done the Ring of Honor thing solid, that they're doing uh, now. Solid run. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and the money's still good there. So I I don't I don't know. This to me, I mean, you can't be making that great when you're wrestling underneath and getting squashed by Bobby Lashley. But you are also wrestling on a quote unquote pay per view, so you probably got a decent payday. Who gives a shit? Maybe he's got a girl here now. He didn't want to go back overseas. You know, there's there's always reasons with wrestlers. Um, yeah, just not for me, man. I'm going uh, going going to the next bar. The next T bar. 
The next. <laughs> T-bar. Oh, I, oh, God. Oh, God. What? All right. <laughs> All right. Back on over to uh, Bound for Glory. Um, let's 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 just keep it rolling here. The next matchup on the card is going to be Diana Perrazzo versus Kylie Ray for the Impact Knockouts title. Oh wait, not so much. Uh, what the fuck is going on with Kylie Ray, guys? Does anybody know? Like, I have no uh, idea. what is her deal? Like, why does she just sabotage the fuck out of herself? Like, she's a good wrestler. She was, and that's the thing. Like, she was consistent and like never had any like commitment issues. Uh, when she was on the indies and she's literally fucked up every major promotion opportunity that she's had so far. This is three for three and it's for no fucking good reason. Like she had a run in WWE and just fucking left. Just didn't want to do it anymore. AEW just stopped showing up. What the fuck is going on with Kylie Ray guys? Like does anybody know? I, I have no clue. There's gotta be some kind of anxiety, manic, situation going on that is just like maybe there's a just huge performance anxiety or some such something i mean apparently she was even so much as in town and just did not come to the building um what that's what i heard i mean oh yeah she was there she was in nashville 100 percent was in nashville yeah i heard like she got injured but then was cleared to wrestle and said she was coming and then just didn't come that's that's basically what i heard Either way, um, you know it, that's a that's a hard horse to bet on at this point. You know, yeah. Like that's your three your three strikes for me, man. Like I think and I think she's a good worker. Uh, I like her, but like I, I don't know. I, I don't have. I mean, listen. Like if she does have some mental illness issues, I'm always sympathetic to the people. I've always. I mean, on this show, I don't say shit about the person. I only say shit about the character or. The booking or whatever, like who who you who people are is who people are, you know. Like even wrestlers that I don't like, I don't wish anybody any ill will. It takes a lot of guts to do what they do. I respect every wrestler that wrestles. I really do. Whether it's on a VFW hall or in in a huge in the Thunderdome, I guess at this point, not even an arena these days because of the plague. But uh, but for me, like, listen, dude, if if you have that kind of thing, like. You're a talented woman. You've got there's other things that you can do in your life. And if this is something that really triggers you and puts you in that bad of a place, do something else because this this is probably not what's going to make you happier in the long run. You know what I mean? Like so for me it just I mean at the same time too like you're shitting on people. You know what I mean? Like you were shitting on your fans. And what bothered me about this this too is that like now I don't know about their time frame as far as like when they knew she was coming, when she wasn't, and I understand that some of that booking has to be done on the fly, but like if you knew at any point in the show that she wasn't coming beforehand and you still aired those packages and did the surprise, like you could have said done, you could have put in a, a two minute segment in the back and been like, you know, Scott Demore or whatever, just been like, you know, Kylie Ray is unable to make it or whatever, but we have a surprise opponent. Like you, you shouldn't, you shouldn't to me, you should not advertise a match all the way up until the bell. And then ha- and then have a surprise opponent. I'm not saying you need to spoil the surprise. I'm not saying that it should be like, oh, it's Sue Young returning. I'm not saying you should do that. I'm just saying like, it's false advertisement. You know what I mean? Like, you, I mean, pe- there are certain fans of just Kylie Ray. She's a pretty well known name, and like, people are buying this pay per view to see her. Now, again, I don't know all the details. It could have been right up till bell time. They were just calling her and hoping she would show up, and then they just threw Sue out there as a backup plan. 
but that does but because of like because of the, the get up the way that she was all with the the make that, that that's not something you can just put together in 10 minutes you know what i mean like they Definitely. had to have known a little bit beforehand and the fact that you keep it going and then all, oh and then and then nothing on commentary about where Kylie is at all during the whole match. I will like, say this. WrestleMania they did that promoting Roman Reigns like up until a week before when they knew he wasn't coming at all and they didn't mention anything on commentary. They was like, "All right, oh, I Roman shit Reigns, on it then too. I agree. I shit on it then too. I agree 100%. It's just not I don't know. So to me that really tarnished the match. I thought that the the in-ring work was decent. I gave it actually two beers. Uh but it wasn't I mean, it just wasn't maybe two and a half, honestly. I think Dina Perrazzo's got some issues going on with her as well, too. I mean, I, I mean, she doesn't. She looks a little bit lethargic. She doesn't look as as crisp as she did. Um, there was definitely some slowness. Maybe it's because neither one was prepared to wrestle each other. Maybe they didn't have a lot of time to put the match together. I'm not sure. That would make sense. But I didn't think that she performed up to her ability because I do love Dina. I think it's just. It wasn't their Diana, whatever you want to, whatever you want to call her. Jesse, where are you at on this one, man? I gave it three and a half. I, I was just over the middle ground on this one. Um, I I really think that I thought that they did good work. I I, I also am thinking, you know, if this entire time they pre- they prep for Perazzo versus Kylie Ray, and then they change the match day of. I think that for a match that didn't really have any steam or plan going into it, I thought both of them worked well. Um, the uh, the finish I thought was great. I think it was a little unexpected once Sue Young came out. I think everybody probably automatically assumed Peraza was going to walk away with the title. But you know, you got to give those little things. As far as the last minute thing, I mean, for all we know, they, it could have been communicated that she was still planning to show up and making. Then a why was Sue Young plan, there though? That's my question. Why was she even there? Well, because she's been on the card. I mean, they, like. I, they had everybody in town for tapings and everything anyway. She was just, she's been on the show as Susie. Okay. Yeah. She like turned That's heel fair. to be Sue Young. Yeah. And so the, the running scuttlebutt here is that they were going to make it into a story where the reason Kylie didn't show up was because her new best friend Sue into Sue Young and fucked her out of her opportunity and yada, yada, yada. I don't know what any of it is. I mean, it, it there's a small sliver of me that hopes that somehow this is like a storyline Kylie Ray not showing up from them capitalizing on her doing this all the time. Now, there's maybe a 0.05% of me that believes that to be even remotely possible, but, sure. you know, I, a guy can hope, you know what I mean? That's a, that's a deep work. Wex, what did you think about that? I gave it two beers just because the whole surprise and not being Kylie Ray just kind of, like, took me out of it, I guess. I guess. But, like, they definitely put together a good match for such short notice and – I thought they looked pretty fluid and pretty solid together. Like, I didn't really notice too much, too many botches or too many weird missteps and great work. I just wasn't really invested in it. Yeah, I hear you on that. I hear you. Well, here we are, boys. We are to the respective main events here. I got to tell you, man, for me, like, overall, I actually leaned a little bit WWE on this show. Um, Now, before we even get to the main events, but, I mean, if we're looking at a a basic kayfabe comparison, the original OG kayfabe comparison style – um, I'm leaning towards Hell in a Cell. Uh, which way are you guys leaning so far, Wes? Which way are we are we looking here before we get to the main events? I'm gonna lean. I'm leaning towards Hell in a Cell just because, like, I don't want to say the production, but it's just 
the production is a big thing because of the silence oh, got, yeah. in these matches. Yeah, nothing, yeah. Like, oh, I agree. great work, but the pure silence and nothing. Like, I would even love some faked-in, piped-in noise. Like, I would love that. Yeah. But Yeah. Jesse, where you at? I, I I agree on the production standpoint. Don't get me wrong. I got to say, card for card, I definitely lean towards Bound for Glory. Um, you know, the presentation obviously is better with WWE, but I don't think that's ever going to not be the case. You know what I mean? Yeah, 100%. I, I think that you could argue that same point with any AEW show. Um, you know, obviously, even in the live element, AEW is doing better than Impact was, but... I think that we got we got to wait until fans can come back in the stands and there can be a significant change to how that live element is actually presented to see what impact is capable of now that they've taken this opportunity to grow so much as a company. No, I agree 100%, man. And I feel like too like at this point I I feel like impact could I mean this is we live in Nashville, you know, and they're based out of Nashville. You could totally do what impact is doing you could get 20 people in that building and it would be possible you could get it signed off on you could or, or even use some of the backup talent or whatever all, everybody wearing masks social distance whatever but the basic silence man like first of all some of these wrestlers aren't capable actors whereas in wwe the acting is a little bit more pushed so like the the, the talking i mean like dude for like prime example is like the whole uso roman reigns thing I don't think it would be that over if the if times weren't the way they are. If that was a full stadium and you couldn't hear all the talking between every punch, it yeah. wouldn't be the same. But yeah. because you can, we're getting some gold and monumental shit. I mean, shit that's going to be around for years to come. Like, of course, because it's such an odd time. So when the world does open back up and everything is normal again, uh, which is hopefully soon, sooner than later, um, you know, it's it's this. I feel like there's shit that WWE is doing that's still going to remember fondly, and I actually think the same for AEW. Um, and I think that Impact has grown and has benefited from kind of like leveling out the playing field. But I think they need to keep up, and it's not hard for them to be able to do that because it's not like the E is is touring in arenas. It's not like AEW is touring in arenas. They could get twenty, thirty people in there, mic those twenty or thirty people with some, you know, with some live choir mics almost, you know, and just. Yeah. Make it make it bigger, and I, I feel like that that would be a, a monumental change for them. But let's get into these main events, man. Let's start it off with WWE. It's Randy Orton versus Drew McIntyre for the WWE Championship inside a Hell in a Cell. Jesse Baker, give me the rundown here, bro. Dude, I mean, this is another just dead in the middle fucking match for me. I, I was I was inclined to go, I was inclined to shit on it to be quite frank, but. You know, both guys put in a lot of work. Um, yeah. They're definitely on, you know, the portrayal of them being on an even playing field is a big win for the WWE, in my opinion, just given the amount of time Orton's been there and, you know, the amount of time Drew spent away. I think to give him that look as a credible champion was great for the duration of the match until the end. Um, I hated the, the fucking holes and posts on the side where they went and did that cell spot yeah really took me it. out of it yeah I, I, it was very much like you could look at any other part of the cell and tell that it's not like that except for where the cameras are going and then they had the little yeah. foothold posts and shit and i'm like yeah. God, this is just painfully obvious the spot in and of itself i hate to say it because god knows if i did it i'd probably be dead but it just flat it was the least impressive looking cell fall or bump that i remember ever seeing um, I just didn't really think it was 
the stakes weren't there for that fall for me. It didn't really look that impactful. There were a lot of shots of the commentary talking, but while they were standing up and not saying anything after the table collapsed. So it was yeah. like, I thought that was pretty. And then, I don't know, overall, the ending of it, it's like, I don't know. I guess they were going for like big brutality and Orton had to trick Drew into falling off the oh, cage the and then got the better of him or whatever. And I don't know. I just, the, the ending of it oh, kind of no. ruined it for me. I really felt like Drew should have walked out with the belt. That was it for me, though. Wes, what do you think about this one, man? I'm going to give it a. I'm going to go four beers with this one because there's some things that I did enjoy on it, like the, the whole empty arena aspect really worked because they were like audibly talking shit on like a bunch of the moves like here, like towards the beginning of the match. Yeah. And like that definitely helped out. But the the one thing that really didn't make sense to me was part of that finish that how like Brandy Orton breaks out of the cage to climb to the top to grab a metal pole. Like that just just did not make any sense. Like that metal pole could have been under the ring anywhere just for them to go up there and hit him with a metal pole. And like, it doesn't make sense for like, why does Drew McIntyre go up there? Like what reason does he have to go up there for like Randy Orton? Like, and other times they've done that. It sort of makes sense. Like when Mick Foley went up at the beginning of the match to entice the undertaker to come up, like that sort of makes sense. But I just didn't understand why you climb to the top to get a metal pole. I understand why they did it to lead to the spot to him going off the table the shittier version of the HBK but one. But you could have done that whole damn thing without a fucking lead pipe up there. He didn't even get hit with the pipe. He swung and missed. Like, what what, what, what drama are you building? Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, what's the just, fucking it, point of even having it? Honestly, they could have just both acted like they were going to climb up for whatever reason and then did the fall off the table spot without having the long, unnecessary climb to the top. I just, that was just so illogical to me. And, like, usually I can, like, I can like let some pretty dumb shit in wrestling slot. It's it's wrestling, but yeah, that was just so illogical. Like, and he didn't even connect with the pipe. They climb all the way up just for the pipe. But yeah. overall, just because they beat the shit out of each other, and I just like seeing because Drew's, I just like seeing Drew do a lot of his big power moves and everything. And it was pretty cool to see Randy get that fourteenth title. So that's definitely what I'm gonna go overall with four beers on this one. Four beers, okay. I mean, I'm, I'm pretty close to you. I'm three beers on this one. I'm about halfway in the middle. I will say that, I mean, especially with with all the interference and all the like legends and everything they used in the ambulance match, that should have been the end of that feud. Um, I feel like that was a much better end point than this was. Um, it wasn't the match was bad. I thought they did well. Of course, Randy getting the win. I see, I see why they had this match. Uh, for me, I really hope they just move past this. I know that they're not going to. I'm sure Drew's going to get at least one more rematch. But I just, I mean, they've done some good matches. They've, they've had some good time together, but it's bag. I would really, really like to see like a McIntyre and Lee program. I'd really like to see an Orton versus Owens program with the title involved, especially now that Owens is kind of doing the new Stone Cold thing. I think that would be great. Owens and, and um, you know, essentially the Stunner versus the Cutter, you know, Stunner versus the RKO. I think that would be... Um, a really cool thing. I could see them going for four or five. I, I could see that going to Mania, honestly, Orton or and Owens. I think that would be very cool. And to be honest, I don't really know if I've seen much of them together ever. I, I mean, have we seen a lot of Kevin Owens and Randy Orton together? Did they have a program really together before? Not that I recall. 
me either. Yeah, Maybe like is, a, which is, a few yeah, random kinda, matches here. Yeah, there. it's kind of so. unique, right? So and I feel like those guys are both uh, doing well, and I think that if they don't start capitalizing on Owens now, he's definitely going to go somewhere else very soon because uh, I know his contract is up next summer. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's uh, there's a lot of meat on the bone there. Uh, overall for the match, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm three, three and a half beers deep on this one. Uh, not the best, not the worst kind of there. Uh, that's going to wrap up Hell in a Cell, though. Let's jump over to the main event here for Bound for Glory. It's uh, it's Rich Swan versus Eric Young for the Impact World Championship. And I will say the package, the, uh, the, the, the promo package that they put together before the match is probably the best production they had on the show. I think that it was uh, really well put together. Um, and I thought it was match of the night for sure. The work rate was great. The story was already built. I absolutely loved it. The stalling, like Death Valley Driver by Young, was absolutely sick. I thought that was super cool. I, I honestly don't think I've ever seen anybody. I don't even know if he meant to do it. Meant to do it that way, but it was really cool the way they pulled it off. Um, great chemistry, great timing. Really loved it. Um, I'm really glad they put it on top. Good call to put the strap on Swan too. Um, overall, man, I'm going, I'm going five, five and a half beers deep on this one. Uh, Wes, where, where are you at on this one, bud? I'm right there with you. Five, five and a half, maybe five and three quarters. Cause this match, like it had the total package. It had perfect storytelling with the perfect story. Great work. Like Rich Juan is like Rich Juan and Eric Young. Like they deserve to be in that spot. Cause WWE basically, Screwed them. Didn't really give them a chance. Oh, for sure. Both. I of mean, those Rich Swan was the cruiserweight champion or whatever, but then they fired him without basically over some BS. Like, didn't even let the investigation happen yeah, or whatever. Mean, meanwhile, he didn't do meanwhile, Matt Riddle and the Velveteen Dream the Velveteen and, Dream, exactly and Lars, Lars Sullivan and like and it's Austin not, well, not even Velveteen. All of them. Okay. I feel like Velveteen Dream gets shit on the most. I don't know why, but it's like, dude, there were way worse allegations about way other people. I mean, do we not, do we all forget about Rollins sending like a dick pic to his Nazi girlfriend while he was engaged to someone else and that blowing up and nothing at all happened to I him? Like a little pecker, I remember. that's my thing like like what why like rich swan eric young eric young didn't do anything eric young is like it's been a nashville i think he's a native actually i'm pretty sure that that dude was wrestling at the fairgrounds in like 2004 he calls nashville home oh dude but he's been here for 20 plus years at least i've been watching him since the asylum days like i've He's I've been, been watching him since Burt Prentice runs USA Championship Wrestling at the fairgrounds prior to TNA. So I know oh, he's yeah. been in Nashville for a very, very, very long time. Yeah, but I, I agree. I really love that Death Valley driver spot when he grabbed him from the rope and then kind of oh, saw so him. So cool. It. That was fucking sick. And just – and the empty arena really worked for this match too. Eric Young just yelling the camera like, Scott, TNA, or Impact. <laughs> Still said yeah. TNA. This is your <laughs> fault. Like – he he definitely used that this to his advantage, you. and yeah. like they just that was like one of those matches where like he just like he just told a great story, he worked on that neck, and he worked on his great. previously injured ankle, and like just beat the fuck out of him, and just gave us all like the he got all the babyface sympathy. He was just like, oh my god, he's fucking dead, like he's not gonna come back, and I just thought it was a fucking great match. That finish where he hit the the lethal injection, and then the uh. Phoenix splash for the pin. I don't know what does he call it. It's not the lethal injection because that's what Jay Lethal calls it. But I which don't is know. ironic because of the similarities there. I mean, I don't know. It's weird that he uses that move. I don't know if him and Jay have like some kind of thing going on there. But he might. I mean, he's probably he probably just 
was inspired by Jay Lethal because I'm pretty sure Jay oh, Lethal sure is was. a good amount older than him. Chris Bay, yeah, oh, for sure. Too. Chris Bay, yeah, does Chris it Bay. Too. Everyone, I mean, dude, Ray Phoenix <laughs> does it. Uh, fucking uh, Cody Rhodes does it now. Cody, I've seen him do it a couple times. Time. Yeah, didn't, didn't Kalisto used to do it, but he wouldn't touch yeah. his hands. He would he no. would do it without touching his hands on the mat somehow. Yeah, which is insane. Crazy. Yeah, which is insane. Jesse, what do you think about this one, man? Uh, I was I was right at five beers, five and a half, whatever. I mean, I'm I, I'm I'm hesitant to give it a six because they're you know agreed. Yeah, but it's it's pretty six close. Six is sacred man. ground. It's just one of those things like the. Uh, I think it's stellar star building on the part of Impact. Uh, the way that the story was built back at Slammiversary. Um, you just had all of these really great things to go off of that were organic and real. I agree that the promo packages made it. They did a really good job of building that all the way up into the show and during the show. The real-life injuries that Rich Swan had gone through were easy fodder to capitalize on. And the, the viciousness of Eric Young in this iteration of his character, I think, is perfect for a heel champ and somebody who, like— he doesn't look weak. He's not a chicken shit heel. He looks like he's just a tough off the rails heel who can actually work when he gets between the ropes, which is what you don't normally see. I thought Swan's work right. was absolutely great. They were both they both had Swan had a tougher match, I think, than he normally would with a lot of dudes just because of the of Eric Young's style, but I thought that was great in both instances. I thought both guys looked great walking into it. Both guys looked great walking out of it. It builds perfectly for future feuds. I thought it was great for Impact and, and great for both guys. Nice, nice, nice. Well, guys, I think we're here. I'm, I'm going to lean. I'm still going to lean Hell in a Cell a little bit for me. Uh, I mean, it, but surprisingly, it was closer than I expected it to be. I'm very grateful to have watched the show. I think for Impact's debut after over a year running on this show, uh, it, was a good, it was a good one to cover. I know Bound for Glory is kind of like their WrestleMania. Uh, but for me... I, I, if I'm going to go one way or the other, if I'm going to the Hell in a Cell bar or if I'm going to the Bound for Glory bar, I'm going to Hell in a Cell bar this time. Uh, Jesse, which bar are you going to, man? I got to stick to BFG, dude. I'm, I'm going Bound for Glory bar all the way. All right. All right. There we are. There we are. Wes, tiebreaker here, baby. It's tough, but even though Bound for Glory's main event was better than Hell in a Cell's main event overall, I'm going to go Hell in a Cell. And that's why your check is in the mail. Mr. Wex <laughs> helping to put me over here, the main guy on the show. That's going to do it for us to this week, boys and girls. Uh, next week, thank you guys. So, first of all, thank you guys so much for joining us on Halloween Day. Uh, we, we appreciate it. Hopefully uh, you guys won't drink too much. Don't eat too much candy. Uh, have a good time. Be safe. Be careful. There is still a damn pandemic out there. So there's a good excuse to wear a mask today, I guess. Um Next week, we're going to be covering me and Benji Brown are doing a mixed. It's 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 kind of a kayfabe comparison. It's a mixed uh, current event stuff with also a throwback. We're doing the 1991 Survivor Series because we're going to be in November Survivor Series season. 1991 against NXT's Halloween Havoc. Now, as you're listening to this, it happened you know a couple days ago for you, uh, but it's actually happening right now for us. So we're going to go ahead and cover that one. Uh, the following week is going to be. Um, I'm sorry, guys. I lost my spot here. Okay, the following week is actually going to be AEW Full Gear. I think we're going to get the the, uh, the kayfabe crew back here for uh, November the 11th is when we'll record it. We'll drop it out for the 14th. Uh, AEW Full Gear. Boys, how do you feel about covering another AEW pay-per-view? It's been a while for that. 
I'm hyped. I love I love AEW. It's definitely my favorite promotion right now. I'm oh, super stoked. Absolutely. I think they're building the card great. I can't wait. Absolutely. I'm hoping we get Kenny versus Hangman. I'm hoping for it. Oh yeah, I think I think I mean they, that, that that that's the by the time this comes choice. out, we'll know. But as of yeah. now, we don't. But yeah. Yeah, it's gonna be good. I'm super, I'm super, super excited about it. Uh, the following week is gonna be a Survivor Series happy hour. The original co-host of Kayfabe Comparisons, we're going to do our standard happy hour per month, and it's all Survivor Series questions. So please get your beer and tune in for that one. And then wrapping up one month of content, we'll probably have the Kayfabe Boys back once again. It'll be the day, at least it'll be the day before Thanksgiving, the day we record it. But it's going to be covering the Survivor Series 2020. Um, so I'll get the boys back in for that one. And now that I have you here, how about we do Survivor Series 2020 versus the first ever Survivor Series? You guys down with that? I think it was 1988. Absolutely. Yeah. That sounds awesome. Yeah, so that that sounds super fun. So we'll watch uh, 88 or 89. I can't remember what actual. We'll watch the first ever Survivor Series versus the most current Survivor Series 2020. And that's going to wrap up an entire month of content for you guys. Jesse, where can people find you? What do you got going on, man? Dude, you can find me at Jesse Baker Nash on both Twitter and Instagram. You just look up Jesse Baker on Facebook. Uh, lots of we got the Drive the Music campaign. Sponsored by Two Rivers Ford, still selling T-shirts and taking donations love it, love to benefit it. the independent music venues of Nashville, Tennessee. And other than that, Wexley and I are doing uh, Revive Pro Wrestling. We will have an upcoming show on November the 14th at the Stables Event Space in Centerville, Tennessee, just under an hour outside of Nashville. All ages, ten bucks, seven p.m. bell, so you can get home early. It's uh, there's you can't lose, man. You just can't lose. Yeah, man, I love that. I love that benefit going on, too, with Two Rivers Ford. My good buddy um, in the night game, he's also formerly the singer of Boys Like Girls. His name is Martin Johnson. He's been spearheading a lot of that, helped put that together. Big fan of that dude. Uh, Wesley, what do you got going on, man? Where can people find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Lawson Wex and on Instagram at Breaking the Lawson. And I got the same thing going on with Jesse, the Revive Pro Wrestling thing, doing commentary. We got the Halloween Halloween Eve show the 30th that'll already be happening by the time this airs and then we got another show coming up in November the week after Full Gear and we'll have nice. some more information on that I'm sure at some point and uh, I want you yeah, to check out Revive Pro Wrestling on YouTube we're going to have like a lot of content coming very soon lots of new content a lot of good stuff and then uh, I've been writing uh, articles uh, lately for TwoSweetZine.com Cool. Doing some dynamite reviews, but eventually it might lead to some uh, video reviews. And that's basically what I got going on. So, yeah. Check love it, it man. I love it. Media. Love it. Love love to be a part Wrestling of that, man. Love to jump in. If you guys ever want to make it a three-man booth, that seems what everybody else is doing. Let me hop in on some of those shows, guys. It'd be a good time. Yeah, you can always find me at Daniel Daybreak and also at KFabe.com. Be sure to hit that five-star review. Squash that subscribe button. The song you're listening to right now is from my band, Rise the Wake. Hashtag cheap plugs only. We're out. We'll see you guys next week. Peace. Peace. Peace.